You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Welcome, everybody. Welcome to After The Show. Hello, Sid Talk. You always kind of wake me up when after our little few seconds of silence. Not that I doze off in 20 seconds, but then you're like, hello. (laughs) I want to see if you're on your toes. I am not. (laughs) Keep you on your toes. That's the idea. That's the name of the game. Which game are we playing? I'm confused. Keep you on the toes game. Uh, I'll pass. Well, you have no choice. I'm going to play it every week with you. Next topic. (laughs) Next topic is what date is it? That's your job. All that shit on there, that's you, man. All, all right. that little details, that's all you. Let me just tell you, spring forward tonight, one hour, thank you. That is your... <laughs> no, don't tell people that because they can be listening. To, they're not, they're not going to be listening to this today. I'm just saying spring forward, like jump forward. No, you're not. You're trying to mislead people into like changing their clocks. And this could be, they could be listening to this in November of 2045. So spring forward... Wherever you are, whatever time it is, whatever day it is. In fact, they might be listening to this in an era where daylight savings time is no longer a thing because it's really stupid. All right. (laughs) Stupid or not, it's Saturday, March the 12th. It's after the show. We're a movie review podcast. This is our 727th episode. Woo-woo. The movie we're looking at this week is A Journal for Jordan. It's a 2021 movie. Releases on Blu-ray, well, you can pick it up now. It's also on streaming, it's PG-13. And our friends at Universal sent us a Blu-ray for review. So, Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of A Journal for Jordan. Based on a true story of a soldier who wrote a journal for his then newborn, very newborn son. That was back in 2006, 2007. And this is the true story of how the mother of the child copes with spoiler alert it's not a happy ending (laughs) i mean it's really not it's a very sad story but also very uplifting at the same time it's a true story we're not spoiling anything if you just can look it up this is the one none of that would fit on the box and this does fit on the box because it's right on the box it says first sergeant charles munro king before he's killed in action in baghdad authors a journal for his son intended to tell him how to live a decent life despite growing up without a father Is that correct? The box is the spoiler, so I don't feel so bad. So, A Journal for Jordan, directed by Denzel Washington. Sid Talk, what did you think? I cried a lot. I mean, you know. I could hear you going. (sighs) Yeah, I was dehydrating as I was watching it. I had no beverage, so I was just sitting there like... (laughs) I mean, just the thought of the reality of not just this couple, obviously... Of like everyone who's ever gone to any sort of military action and the person left behind, whoever that is, parents, siblings, spouses, partners, children. I mean, it's understandable because we understand what's going on, but it's incomprehensible that one minute you're just living your life and you know they're somewhere in danger. And then the next minute you get the call or someone shows up at your door and that's it. You know, that person's entire life is now done and you weren't there and you don't 
know anything. I mean, it's devastating. So this movie's told like in a series of flashbacks, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's all a flashback, I guess, because it was 2018 when we actually get to what she's doing with the son as when he's like 13 years old or whatever. Yeah. And then there's a flashback to when they meet and a flash forward to when the kid's a kid and then a flashback. It's kind of, you have to kind of hang in there. You have to do a little bit of thinking for yourself. Like spy the clues because she has the same friends for the whole time, which I find amazing and wonderful because I have forever friends as well. I mean, you would when you're working at the same place. Um, I don't know. You know, I've talked to people. I'm 54 and I have friends that I've had since I was, I mean, I have one friend who's my friend and first cousin. So we've been friends since I was two weeks old. So, but the rest since I was like 12, 13 years old, like a lifelong experience of these friends being in my life. But I talk to other people about it and even you will say, I don't have any friends from when I was a kid, or I don't have any friends that are, you know, now I have few. I don't have any friends. <laughs> well, that's sad. <laughs> I have a few friends that are more recent. One of them might be listening right now, so she knows. It's not that recent, though. 15 years since we bought our house? Yeah. Or longer? No, oh longer my God. than that. 2005? Yeah. A friend since then also would be a person who would be through all kinds of things with you and be aware of your life for decades, you know? That part I was, I really loved. It's just that when you're jumping to a scene where you're like, hold on, nobody looks particularly younger or older. Oh, yeah, they didn't bother with that. What did kind they? of cell phone are they using, right? So we start out in the late 90s and they have. Wired... Motorola flip phones. No, they had no cell phones. In that, and when they first met, they were talking on. Oh, true. A cordless phone from the house and a wired phone that she had on her desk, you know, old fashioned shit. Eventually it becomes the flip phone. And then later, like 2007, 2006 is when they've got like a smartphone. Finally. (laughs) I did notice that they didn't bother to make anybody look younger and older. They didn't change anybody's haircut. They didn't do anything. No. And she didn't particularly, I mean, she, you could tell they put a little bit of something on her face at the, you know, 2018, because we're seeing her 20 years later, right? Or whatever it is. So she just looks, she has a little bit of lighter colored streak in her hair and her, her, she looks a little, like maybe they put a couple little wrinkles by her eyes. Cause this young, this lady is not (laughs) as old as she played the lady in the movie. You know I mean? The actress person. Definitely, they had to do a little bit of something there to make her look older, but not much. And that's fine. It's just that that, that's usually your clue, right? When you're flashing forward, flashing backward in a movie. Yeah. The cars, the buildings, the technology around them, and the people themselves. Like, are the clothes really different? But if you think about it, from the late 90s to the 2000s, clothes don't look that much different, do they? When you really look at business people. She's a business person, so... She's in professional. She's a journalist. For the New York Times. Yeah, so there's not like big high fashion going on. There's just nothing to discern it. So I'd say if, sir, for some people watching it, you might be like, hold on. Wouldn't it? Hmm, what's going on here? Why are, you know what I mean? Why is she on a plane now? Oh, okay, the kid's older now, so I get it. But until you get that, the kid is kind of the biggest measure. Yeah. Because like he doesn't exist, and then he's a baby. And then, and he's, then a he's a boy. He's like a three-year-old, and then he's a... 12 or 13 year old. That's your biggest clue, really. But you're right. Mother doesn't even get any gray hair or anything. Mm-mm. No, hardly. She has one little streak, I noticed. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, okay. Because I was looking for clues every time. They do always put the year on the screen quickly. 
So you do know when it not is. Not always. No, they did not always. You had once they stopped putting the year on there, that's when you have to just pick up on the individual vibe of each little era. You know what I mean? They yeah. only did that when that was the first time you were visiting that year. Then they didn't do that again. See, I'm very tuned into this shit. What I really liked about this movie was it took its time developing the relationship between them. And you meet them right at the beginning when they first bump into each other. And then it goes all the way until, spoilers, his death. Well, maybe after that, actually, right? It goes after his death, even. Even He takes Denzel Washington directing it. It takes a long time to go through the relationship. And I've, it felt very authentic to me, the relationship. Even down to, like, the details of, like, the first night he sleeps in her apartment mm-hmm. and the first dinner they have together and how kind of awkward things are, you know, always with between anybody, right? It felt very solid. Yeah, like, it felt like a real relationship going on. Yeah. There's good chemistry between them and taking your time with it because the movie's like two hours and 11 minutes instead of just rushing, oh, look, they fall in love, here they are, and he's going off to war. They kind of linger on the beginning of the relationship. I really like that because I felt them together. You know, he's a very different to her. There was a time where I thought I started to go off her because she seemed like she wanted to make him into something he wasn't. <laughs> you know? Yep. I know. I don't and know how you... I thought that that's how it was going to go, but it never seems to stick to anything. Like, that moment where she's like, you need to wear these clothes because I'm not really into the clothes you wear. I was like, oh shit, this is all going to start going downhill. But it doesn't, does it? Nah. There's not really a plot point where you're like, oh, this is relationships going to go downhill because it doesn't go downhill. They're just in love with each other and they have a kid together. We did discuss that, that they've skirted around any sense of, I mean, she's mad at him at one point because he doesn't show up for a thing, but he has another thing involving a soldier. So he doesn't call her and tell him where he is and all that. Not really much right to be mad at that point. No, but she flips out and then doesn't speak to him for weeks at a time or whatever. But it still just tries to tell you the story of this man who, from the moment he met her, has decided I'm devoted to her and that's it. And no matter what, and I'll be patient. You know, I mean, I think when they're sitting at the green light and the car in front isn't moving and he's just sitting there, like just looking straight ahead. Because he's a very patient person. Exactly. So I'm thinking, okay, we just have to like in grab out of this that he's super patient and he's already devoted and he's made up his mind. However she feels about a thing, I'm going to figure out how to understand it and keep moving forward with her. And so I feel like we never had any big threat of them falling apart. We never had any hint that they were involved with anyone else or interested in anyone else at all from the moment they met. So it's just like this pure love story that slowly unfolds. And then they decide to have a child together. And then spoilers, it's a real life story. Mm -hmm. It says on the box. He gets blown up in the war and then it's, you know, Sid Talk will cry for the rest of the movie. (laughs) Oh, was crying before he died. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah, you were. Because you know that he's di- going to die. You know he's going to die from the very beginning. Yeah. Because it opens with her being very sad on her own. And an explosion yeah. in a what looks like a foreign land. And so we find out, you know, he's actually yeah. in. It doesn't take a uh, rocket scientist, as they say, or a brain surgeon or a war analyst <laughs> to understand that somebody's going to die. Or a cinematic scholar. 
No. No. And this is not like an action movie in any respect or anything like that, is it? It does have one one scene, really. That's Correct. The actual scene of him dying. But the rest of it is, I would call it like a romantic true story. That's what it is, right? Yes. Like Some... a tale of love. Yeah. Broken I was, heart. I was going to say a tale of like love and like people who are different to each other, but then it's not like that even. They're not like super different from each other. Agree. You know, they do kind of fit. And the way they meet is just a coincidence, right? It's just... I don't know if it was. Oh, Dad was trying to set Dad them up. Dad knew he, she was coming over, and then he had him come hang a picture on the wall for him, and then he's looking at her like, did you see him? Did you meet him? So I don't know about that. Yeah. A setup then, you know, yeah. parents meddling in the business. Correct. But I think it was well made. It's not flashy or anything like that, is it? It's not... No, there's no camera trickery. There's no fancy direction. It's very straightforward, but I feel like that's what gives it its... Realism. Yeah, it's legitimate, you know? I'm not usually susceptible to, like, super sad, like I'm going to be sad and cry. But there are about three moments in the movie where I was like, ooh. I can feel it. Like it hits me, <laughs> you know? Yes. I'm like, I can't, I can't really cope with this. I've known you for 20-some years. Oh, my God, almost 23 years. And I know for a fact I've never seen you cry. Hardly. No, never. No. You're on the verge. I mean, I feel like I'm going to. You're on the verge when your friend passed away. and But then I just sort of left you to it, and that's it. So I can feel that, that thing coming up in you. I mean, I'm crying inside all the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not laughing because that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's that dry British humor. Is that what you're trying to do to me? (laughs) I'm dead inside and crying. So that's that. You're going to have to let me laugh it out or this is going to mess up your sound editing. (laughs) Well, I'll just cut you out. (laughs) Okay, I think I'm good. (laughs) I'll just edit this in at the end. Like just a string of you laughing for no reason. (sighs) Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right, I'll just leave that in. Uh, please do. It's hilarious. What else you got to say about a journal for Jordan? Before? I just feel like it's also it sparks in you this thing of I don't have children or anything, but writing down who you are on the inside that you don't just overtly share with people for someone to have when your life is done. That that's a good idea, right? I mean, yes, we should all just constantly bare our souls. I should know that you're crying and dead on the inside all the time. But I mean, that's a thing that he's not really, but the things internally are the things you remember that you just don't bring up. And the things that come to your mind when you're kind of sitting alone, if I were to sit down with a keyboard and just start typing up things from my life, it'd be a lot of things I've never told anyone just simply because I don't know, you don't bring up every moment of your life until you start recalling it and then how you felt about it and how that might have changed you. Or I think that's a good idea to write I mean, it down. Just before we did this podcast, we just you mentioned something and I said, you just need to do that. You said, I always want to interview my mother yeah, and record what she says, you know, stories of the old times, whatever. And you say, I've always, I always want to do that. And I say, we have to do it. <laughs> exactly. She's 88 years old or whatever. She's not. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 98 be, years old. She'll be so mad at you. 107 years old. 80. 80. 80 years old. Yeah. See, I get it right in the end. 
Mm. But what I'm saying is you need to go and record it. When You're right. You don't need to go, hmm, I think I might record it someday. I have a lot of excuses, like the weather and it's a long drive. and Reading a journal from... Imagine if your parent died. Oh, well, my parent did die. I would love to read a journal from my mother. You would. Which is speaking to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't know that I would direct mine at anyone specific because I would want everyone who knows me, if they're interested. You know, you might mention a person like, I met you this time and you said this thing and you made me change my mind about something or you inspired me to do a thing, right? Like the whole book might not be to one person. But in fact, I do have... The diary, journal, whatever you want to call it, of my great-great-grandmother, my grandfather's mother, on my mother's side, wrote in a journal book thing that she had. We have scans of it, thankfully, and you can mostly read her handwriting. (laughs) I mean, it's however many years old now. Shit, but when my mom was a girl, so from 1941, you know, 1940 to 45, maybe something like that. Right. And... You know, it is fascinating. She's not telling you the deep, dark things. She's saying, like, well, today I cooked a roast and Joe came over for lunch, you know, or I got on the bus and went to Wilma's. That's one of my great aunts, you know, for the weekend or whatever. The girls came over and Joe took them to the movie. I mean, it's nothing like deep, deep stuff. But still, all of a sudden you're transported to this woman having lived that thing and then took the time to sit down. And write it all. This is also a woman, by the way. This is off topic. But uh, she divorced my great-great-grandfather, who was an alcoholic and abusive. She moved into town, because I lived, like, way out in the country. She moved into town into what was then just an empty-ish railroad car that was taken off the railroad and set over in a part of town, just dumped by the street in kind of a low part of town. And she moved into that. Right. She had been married to him for, I mean, who knows how long, how old she was. I don't even know, but interesting lady. And then to read what she writes, I just, you're right. I should just do it. So let's stop this podcast and then I'll just get in the car and I'll miss work for a couple days. (laughs) I'll drive up to interview my mom and here's what's going to happen. I'll get up to there and my mom will go, oh, honey, I'm so busy. I just don't have time to do that today. That that would be my mother's answer. Well, you can clip a microphone on her and ask her <laughs> if she's worked. Just follow her around. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. All right. No more excuses. I like the film. Definitely made me feel sad. It makes you think, you know, this even talks, you know, has 9-11 scenes in it. Mm-hmm. And it makes you think, doesn't it? It made me think back to that day. Absolutely. So it does have a lot of, it touches you in the uh, emotions, let's say. Touches you in the emotions, right on. So let's move on to the cast. Michael B. Jordan is the star of the movie, plays Charles King. What did you think of Michael? Very, very good. I was into it. Like, he had like a subtlety of whenever she's starting to sort of flip out, he just takes a deep breath and you can see everything on his face, not just like an actor waiting for the thing, but like, He's processing, he's thinking about it, you know, and he, he's not being, he never came off to me, at least Michael B. Jordan didn't, playing the character as condescending or like, you know. No, he just, he just loved her. Right. And it was like, how can I, how can I solve this problem right now for everybody's benefit and, and keep moving? And I, I feel like I got that vibe off of it. He wasn't super open with her. All True. the time, because remember when she's on the phone and she said, and he said I was in the war, and she said, oh, was that, what was that like? Was that bad? 
And he just kind of mm. said, eh, as bad as you can think, and then carried on. Yeah, you don't really I mean, like to speak about everything. True. Even though he wrote down everything in this journal. When you're just talking to someone, it's very different than when you're kind of safely and securely writing it down. Yeah, Because definitely. you might not actually believe anyone will ever read it, right? Yeah. So you, it kind of flows out of you. And when no one's there staring you in the face or listening to you directly, your thoughts, your actual thoughts can kind of like take on a little life of their own. Whereas when you're conversing with someone, there's a brick wall in front of you, which is the other person. True. And everything has to kind of like bounce back and forth and get through the wall and get back. That's lots of shit going on. But when you just write it down. So I didn't think he was secretive. Like you seem to think he was a little bit secretive. But a bit, but not in a bad way. Just like he didn't want to talk about certain things. Yeah. Shante Adams plays, I said Dana and you said. No, you said Donna. All right. It's Dana. It's Dana. Like Dana how... Scully. Yeah. But she's Dana Kennedy. You said you know the real life woman. I'm sure I've seen her not as her. a talk, not in person, but like as a person who has spoken on news programs. She was a senior editor at the New York Times, and now she's actually the chief publisher or something like that at Simon & Schuster. So I'm sure I've seen her as a talking head, as we call them, who is getting interviewed or making some sort of commentary on something in the news over the years. Yeah, that's the real lady. The actress is Shante Adams. What did you think of her portrayal? She was really, really good. I mean, I I was just enamored with all of her stuff. Like even waking up, you know. I mean, you're <laughs> a per- was- you're a performer, so you weren't really asleep. But her waking up, I don't know. I think she really <laughs> went to sleep. That's award winning shit right there, because there <laughs> there is no glamorous way to wake up. I don't care who you are, unless you're pretending to be asleep for eight hours, and then you just go like. Look at me, I'm beautiful and perfect. And no, 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 she wakes up rough. And I love that. That was one of the things I really noticed about her. I don't know. She just owned everything she said, you know, particularly when they're on the phone and he's got close ups on both of them. I love that's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. If anyone out there is as old as us and you remember talking on a phone that was actually as big as your head, like the whole thing is big and it's like something to hold on to, you know? I even thought of that when he's holding the phone with his hand. It's like filling up his hand and she's got that great big handset thing in her hand. Some people have never experienced that. I know. And there's something about that when you're talking to a person, particularly long distance. So you kind of need to not go on for hours and hours, but you've got that thing like, so how are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. (laughs) That sounds interesting. What have you been doing? Not much. What are you wearing? I mean, (laughs) well. That could be involved, but <laughs> but I just mean there is an intimacy there that he picked up on the director, Mr. Denzel Washington, that I really got into. I was really and their phone, their relationship was mostly on the phone for like the first couple of years because he's deployed and he's out and he's in training and you know he's at like yeah. um, the base and all that. So she's mostly talking to him. He comes to visit occasionally, but the phone. I felt that. That whole thing, you know, you've built up this. It's like an internet relationship. Holla. Never heard of it. Well, that's how we met. And that's how we built our little relationship we've had now since 1998. We're old, old times. <laughs> we met on the old timey internet. Then we've got Jalen Christian as Jordan. He plays the teenage Jordan, let's say. Oh, he was so good. He's bless his little heart. He was he must have really learned about these people because he genuinely cried. 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, I'm not taking anything away from his performance because it was exactly right. You know, he now has grown up without his father. He has this journal that his mother had never shown him until now. She was then, trying to protect him when she... Right. Then when he reads it, it's like a whole world opens up for him about self-discovery and how he wants to work out and he's trying to understand things. He's very clever, obviously, because he puts together the whole... She had never gone to Arlington Cemetery where he's buried. At least that's the... That's what I kind of yeah, got gathered yeah. from that. Oh, no, maybe she did when he was buried, but she didn't get the flag and you know she wasn't honored because they never got married. I feel like she didn't go. That's what I was... Well, she said they give the flag to the family at the at the funeral, right. but I'm not technically family. So I feel like she was there, but she didn't get the flag or any of that because they didn't end up getting married in time, right? Yeah, that's right. So then when the son is a teenager, he puts together a whole thing to go to Arlington with friends and family and soldiers that the dad had been with and get her a flag and the whole bit. So the son is very, you know, he's tuned in now. And the kid, and he's just... I shouldn't call him a kid, I guess, because he handles it beautifully. He cries. He holds her a little hand, you know. But I've seen children with their mothers who are very attentive to their mom's feelings, you know, and want them just have this thing of, like, they can see when their mom feels bad and they just want to, like, tend to her. That's exactly what he portrayed. Yeah, for sure. I, I liked him. And he won an award for this, it said. Oh, I good. Was uh, we've also got directed by Denzel Washington. Never heard of him. That guy. We know who he is. Yeah. He actually did direct two other movies, Fences and Antoine Fisher. Oh, Antoine Fisher. Okay. Yeah. So this is his third movie. So what did you think of his directing? Because he's not in it. I feel like it has exactly served this story perfect. I mean... It's not flashy. No, no. It's very It could come across as TV movie-ish. Ish. Because um, it's pretty standard. Like, it's very for standard. How, how you it don't looks. get the close-ups are very, very specific. Like when they're on the phone, when every time they're on the phone, there's a very kind of not even like a active zoom in, but you're just on them really close to hear them and see their facial expressions. And then when there's two people in the room, it's pretty much a steady two shot. I mean, there's not a lot of like. Not that I noticed anyway. There's not a lot of like moving around. I didn't notice anything hand -hand. flashy. There was no. one time where the camera spun around him. Do you remember? No. It was during one of the military sequences. Oh, was... yeah. Like the military, yes. It was a little more unsettling. Yeah. It was a little more movement. Makes sense. You know, if you're trying to portray a, a certain vibe, it makes sense. He's out on the, he's literally on the front, you know. But other than that, I feel like it was very restrained and served the purpose. A lot of beautiful shots. I don't think it was fine. Good job, Denzel. Not that you need my approval. I really enjoyed it. Sometimes I'm in the mood. It's a really laid-back kind of movie. It really is, yeah. Considering the subject matter, even. It's, it felt laid-back, and for some reason, I was in the mood for that today. <laughs> like, some days, I probably might have given less of a score or whatever. Really? But today, I was kind of into it. Wow, you're super snotty. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I am. All right. IMDb reviews, what are those? Those are IMDb reviews. There's a place called the Internet Movie Database dot Calm. You go out there, you seek out reviews of the individual movie that we are watching. You look for the worst reviews, which are the one stars, because we all know why. Because you like to feel superior. So if they didn't like it, but you did, they sound like idiots. Right. And that's what you love. And there's only one one-star review, so here it is. Oh, wow. It says, incredibly tepid. 
There is a heartbreaking movement going through Hollywood right now, and it's called self-awareness. This true story, on which the film is based, deserved a much more respectful representation on the screen. The dialogue and sexual innuendo in this film are more suited to a Medea film. Much of the writing in Journal for Jordan felt like pages that were thrown into the waste bin by a lifetime movie writer who had one too many wine spritzers with his Christmas dinner. Happy to see this sad attempt at drama failing miserably at the box office. The way you do their voice, it's just... That's my smarmy voice. turn on. <laughs> that's my smarmy voice, did mm-hmm. you say? I get it, I get it. So yeah, that's that. That's, um, it's not tepid. It is It is respectful. Is that a problem? I mean, it's not Three Kings, right? I mean, that's a war movie with soldiers and that an experience being portrayed in a really flashy manner. style. Yes, in a very specific way that is telling it serves that story very well. This is a story about a human relationship that if you multiply this individual couple by all the couples who've experienced this exact thing, similar, you know. I think it's very respectful. I think so too. And I don't feel like it has to be like, or like over it. You can't inject things to it, like too much drama, too much action, because that's disrespectful. If you had portrayed his dying in some big, massive battle where he turned into Mr. You know, superhero or something, that would have been disrespectful. If that isn't what happened. Right, exactly. And from what we've read, yeah, that, you know, it wasn't, it's portrayed, I don't know precisely how, but that's because in life, life isn't fiction, <laughs> right? Right. So I think you have to mix it together. I mean, not everything in this movie is 100% the truth. It's interpretive, just like every based on true story is it has elements of the truth and then combinations of things. They've left out a lot of things about these people. If you want to know about them, I mean, you can find out because she's been, she wrote a book. There's this movie. She's a lady who's in the public eye anyway. So you can find out all the stuff. If you want the details to be more like documentary accurate for this, I think just keeping it And I feel like it was exciting because like when she's singing the song on her way to see her mom and dad, you know, and you get a little, you get how lively she is. Lisa Stansfield. She's really driven (laughs) and she's feisty at work because she's not taking any shit off anybody. And those to me are things that like brighten up the story. Yeah. It's a character study. Yes. I don't need big action sequences or anything. So screw that guy. All right, the Blu-ray itself, which we reviewed, comes with a digital copy and a Blu-ray, and it's also got some special features. Deleted scenes, family portrait making the film, heart and soul, Charles and Dana, words of wisdom, the journal, and gag reel. We watched the words of wisdom, the journal. There's a gag reel on this. A gag reel? Doesn't seem appropriate, does it? Well, I mean, you know, they are performing and they're doing a job. They can't be, it can't be super depressing all the time. I mean, to be respectful is one thing, but, you know. We watched the one where Michael B. Jordan and Shante Adams sat down with the real life Dana Kennedy. Right. And that was really interesting. It was good. In conclusion, I am going to give a journal for Jordan a 7 out of 10. Right on. I'm going to give it an 8.3. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. Good work. All right, thank you to Universal for letting us review the Blu-ray. It's out now. Next week, we're going to be reviewing Nightmare Alley. Do you know what that one is? No. 
It's a Del Toro guy. It's his new movie. Mm. So Nightmare Alley next week. Movie recommendations. I am going off the back of this movie. So I'm going with one, my favorite Denzel Washington movie, Training Day. And two, my favorite Michael B. Jordan movie, Creed. Both great movies. Wow, it's weird how your recommendations go with the movie because I don't under I don't identify with that concept. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> no. I'm going back to the 1990s. I'm still firmly in 1991, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm wrong, you can look it up and I don't care. But uh, the five movies I'm going to shoot at you right now are Curly Sue, The Addams Family, Hook, Naked Lunch, and JFK. What a collection. Naked Lunch is my favorite. I mean, seriously, in that group there, we're just short of like a sports movie, basically, or a big action movie. But Hook... Could be considered an action movie, I guess. Adam's family could. You've got docu-drama. You've got the weirdness of Naked Lunch. You've got Hook, which is the weirdness of that. The Adams Family was just a straight-up family comedy, you know, and Curly Sue, just a cutesy little, you know. So there you go. All Watch right. all those movies at my recommendation. Hey, Scully Stuff, I've been playing more Horizon Forbidden West. Not really much more to tell you apart from, what, how many hours am I in? 40? A lot. You've watched almost all of it, I would say. Quite a bit. All the side missions, pretty much, and all definitely all the story missions. That's because I like it. Yeah. It's really fun. Not much more to say about it, apart from it's like really high rating from me. Could be a 9 out of 10. You know what I'm saying? 9? What could make it get a 10? I don't know. It'd have to be like the best game ever. Like Pac-Man. Maybe. Mm, what's your best game ever then? What are you What are you measuring against? It's Tempest 2000. <sighs> I don't think that's the best game ever. It's just my favorite game ever. I can play it like always. I could go and have a game now. It's like endlessly replayable. Right. Tetris is really high in that as well for me. Okay, so these aren't like Red Dead Redemption or GTA 5. No, or GTA 5 is really, really high I also. Thought so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about with these old fashioned digital looking games? Anyway, I've also been playing Gran Turismo 7, which I mentioned last week. Not a lot more to say on that apart from it's awesome. But the game I do want to talk about, which is one that you haven't seen any of, so I'll explain it. It's called 35mm. It's not the one with um, Nicolas Cage. What was that? 8mm. Eight millimeter. Millimeter. This one's called 35mm. Also, that was not a game because that would be very it distressing. <laughs> so this game is it's a post-apocalyptic like first-person game. And it's in that genre that I would call walking simulator. Now, there's a, there's a whole genre of games where you're not really doing anything in the game. You don't fight anything. You don't do anything in particular. You're kind of walking from A to B to C to D, and a story is being told to you along the way. So you're living like the life of the character. So it's like an interactive movie, I would guess. You know, Telltale games kind of fall into it. Also the one with Redus. Also the one with Redus, but that's more of an... It's got action involved on that one. Mm. This one's more... You're going in a straight line, pretty much. But the post office one. The post office where you went and took over the post office to deliver mail. Oh, Lake. Yeah. That is definitely in that genre, yes. But the 35mm, you're in this post-apocalyptic Russia, and you're playing this dude, and it's a story being told to you along the way. Like, you're basically walking down this, you know, through towns, 
and you're uncovering what really happened in this area. It takes a particular kind of person to like that kind of game because it's like you're watching a movie, but you have to actually use the controller to further the story. Do you get what I'm saying? Yep. Now, not everybody loves that. This game does involve a few puzzles that you have to solve occasionally. It's nothing really like mind-blowing. It's like find a key and put it in a door or turn some valves like in a particular order to open a thing. The thing is, it's this post-apocalyptic world and there's Humanity's been done by this deadly disease, basically. And you're like one of these two travelers. You're walking through these Russian towns, and it says in the synopsis for the game that you're trying to survive. But it's not The Last of Us. You get what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. more, there's this cool story that this guy wanted to tell. You're going from A to B, and you'll get the story as you go along. Now, it's not very long. I finished it in an hour and 50 minutes. So if. That sounds appealing to you. It might, because some people do like where the whole thing is focused on the story. The story's really full of twists and turns. I don't want to spoil anything. It's called 35mm. You can get it. It's on the PlayStation 4, the Xbox. It plays on the PlayStation 5. That's where I played it. I recommend it. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's for a very specific type of person, though. Kind of like me. (laughs) (laughs) You are very specific, yes. So, Sito, what's for dinner? Well, I asked you that question, and you said... Uh, TB. You want TB, which sounds really horrible, but you actually mean Taco Bell. So we're going to have Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, my advice... Oh, I like this one. And I made it up, so that's how... Let's hear it. Spit it out. Self-centric I am. <laughs> <laughs> so when your friend goes on a beach vacation in the middle of winter, just close your eyes and imagine the beach. Feel the sun on your skin. Hear the sounds of the beach and the people. Do I have to? Feel the good vibes that your friend is experiencing. Like, that's a good thing. Don't be petty. Like, don't be a snot bag. (laughs) Don't make comments like, oh, I wish I could afford to go on vacation. Or, oh, I sure wish I had time to go to the beach. Because that makes you sound like a dick. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you should say that to Yeah, anyone. even if you think, oh, it's innocent and I do wish I had enough money. Like, skip over that part. Because guess what? Them telling you about their vacation isn't about you. I know. It's crazy. And I am the center of the universe. Even I know this. <laughs> that when my friend recently has been sending me pictures of her on a beach and with her granddaughter and her daughter and they're having a good time and they're out the bars and you get lots of like evening ones of them having a great time. I just transport myself there instantly. I mean, thankfully we have that technology anyway, but even if she had just told me I'm going to the beach for two weeks, I could imagine every day thinking about her looking at the sunset and being like right there with her because I have a good imagination. I can imagine almost anything if I've been there or thought about it enough. The other part about like, oh, well, how'd they get the money for that? Or, oh, I wish, or mm, so-and-so would never let me go on a beach vacation. Whatever. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, seriously, experience the good things your friends are experiencing. Because what that does is also tunes you in to when they are not experiencing good things. And you can sympathize, empathize, understand, and also not make that about you either. Like, when they're having a really shitty time, if you just railroad it and be like, oh, yeah, but let me tell you how bad my time is. You know what I mean? So don't be a shitty friend. 
That's that's, a, there's my advice. That's good advice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Sid Talk. Sure, sure. No problem. Uh, you're my friend, my best friend. <sighs> Thank I you. mean, I love you. <laughs> and you are my best friend in this room. Well, <laughs> now I'm going to go and be dead inside some more. <laughs> you know, it's a thing. I can't, I'm not, well, I'm such a good friend to you and I love you so much that I will not lie to you. And no. say that you're like the closest friend I've ever had in my life. Because that's not how it works. Reality doesn't do that. All right, then I'm off to go and be sad again. <laughs> so Sid Talk, ascully.com is our website where you can go. You can get this podcast. You can also go to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, anchor.fm slash after the show, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere where podcasts are available. Email feedback to me, ascully at ascully.com. Do not email Sid Talk. She doesn't want any of your shit. I don't want your friendship. No. I've got friends. And stay classy, Mr. Denzel Washington, a very classy fella. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone is definitely doing it for you. <laughs>